Well, here we are again, and welcome out. This is episode number four of Redeemed Through His Blood. My name's Scott Durfee. I'm joined today by our teacher, our good friend, my co-host, Mr. David Durfee. Say hi, Dave. Hey, good to be here, Scott. We're a uh, little cloudy today. <laughs> yeah, it is. But nice, nice day today. So, ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but we're fortunate that it's cloudy today. That way, Dave's here, not on the golf course. Just to, <laughs> just to... It, it was beautiful yesterday on the golf okay, course. Okay, so now he's rubbing it in. Let's get right to it. <laughs> Some of us were working yesterday. Yeah. So, nice uh, tired. hey, everybody, we've spent the last uh, three episodes talking about some extremely important concepts, some uh, eternally important things in our lives and in the lives of those around us. In fact, in the lives of even those of us that don't understand that these things are important in our lives. They're just that important. But as we've done this and we, we've started our kind of our journey and understanding the atonement and how redemption works through the atonement, not just uh, redemption, but how healing works, how all things uh, can be changed and made new and made well and made better and made perfect and made whole through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And as we've been uh, talking about those things over the last few episodes, we've really spent a lot of time in, in uh, last week we spent a, and the week before, we spent a lot of time talking about premortal existence. We talked about our role there. We talked about how uh, all of this was planned uh, ahead of time, how the uh, plan of redemption was laid out in front of us how we all chose him there, how it's our uh, responsibility, our pleasure, our privilege, our gift to know him here. And, uh, you know, as we do this and as we come to know ourselves and as we come to know him, then finally we begin to put into process and into play the things that we need to in order for us to heal in order for us to overcome, in order for us to see ourselves as we truly are, which are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And we're going to talk about that today. We're much more than just sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. I mean, there is nothing more than that, but it extends, and it's more complex, and it's more involved than that. And I think that what we'll be talking about today will do nothing more than lend to the ability that we have as we see ourselves more clearly it will give us the ability to have more faith in the redemption process. So having said that, um, let me take care of a couple of real quick housekeeping items too. First of all, we want to thank you for uh, listening. Uh, we want to thank you for your many uh, responses, whether they be via text or email. Uh, we invite you to email us at he redeems us at gmail.com. He redeems us at gmail.com. We uh, received several emails. I uh, want to see us say a special thanks to Cindy and Roger and many, many others who uh, uh, reached out with some uh, emails to us to encourage us, to give us some ideas, to share experience, strength, and hope. And uh, we're very much appreciated, uh, appreciative of that. So with that, let's get things rolling. Um, Dave, uh, where, what do you want to talk about today? Well, Scott, it uh, it dawned on me after our session last week that um, we I think we said it, but I don't know that we emphasized it enough or confirmed it enough using Scripture that not only did we choose Christ in our in the pre mortal existence, but that the atonement of Jesus Christ had power in our lives in the pre mortal existence. And that it was through Christ and his atonement that gave us power, even in the pre-mortal existence, to come, overcome Satan there, just as that's the key to overcoming Satan here. And one of my favorite scriptures on that topic is in the Bible, uh, describing the war in heaven, in uh, the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, it reads, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, interesting uh, Interesting phrase or title for Satan. Accuser. Accuser. Right. Of our brethren, 
which in the pre-moral existence would have included Satan and those who led in the the great noble ones in the pre-mortal council in heaven. Uh, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, the last verse, and this is key. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, even in the pre-mortal existence, Scott, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. So th- this is a, a three-step process of how we can not only overcome Satan here, but how we overcame him there in the pre-moral existence. Number one, through the blood of the Lamb, or through repentance. We progressed. We received enabling powers and redemptive powers and compensating powers, uh, healing powers, even in the pre-mortal existence that allowed us to overcome Satan there. And then we had testimonies there. I I believe that we were all born with testimonies of, of truth, that there's a God, that there's a Christ. I believe we were born... Now, even though we've forgotten... I think it's, it's in our spirits, and that's why so many, when they hear the truth, they resonate with it. They, most people on this earth believe they lived before they were born, even though the, I think we are the only, if, if not the, one of the few, if not the only, church that teaches that. Anyway, I, people resonate with truth because it's, in, it's, it's ingrained in our spirits. We had testimonies there. And we overcame Satan because of our testimonies there. And it's so important that we strengthen our testimonies here to overcome him here. And then we were willing to go to the wall, so to speak. We were willing to do whatever it took. We, we were willing to give our all. Yeah, they were willing, they, they loved not their lives unto the death. We, we were willing to fight, go to war. We were willing to take the risk. We were willing to have have those in the great and spacious building there, just like they do here, point fingers and scorn us. Uh, those those are the three keys to overcoming Satan. And so I just don't know if we emphasized enough how grateful we should be for the infinite, infinite atonement, which we'll talk more about in another podcast in more detail. But infinite meaning, it it covers all time. It's retroactive back to when we were intelligences, before we were spirits. And it will be retroactive as we progress and and seek to become like our heavenly parents. That the atonement had power and effect in our lives, even in the pre-mortal existence. So there's a couple things that kind of stand out to me as you go through this. There there is so much uh, here that we we need to know, uh, because knowing this really helps us know ourselves better, right? So first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, so often in the church, and not just in the church, you know, I I, want to be careful of that, because I I don't want to ever horribleize in a way things, uh, you know, bigger than they really are. But sometimes I believe that uh, we, as humans, who are trying to have a spiritual experience or who are trying to draw nigh unto him, so to speak, you know, that we, we, uh, we see ourselves and we see our mistakes and we see our humanness, uh, again, that we're going to address in the future, uh, uh, along with every day, actually, as we're talking about this. But, you know, those, those types of things keep us from feeling can keep us from filling his spirit, can cloud my knowledge of who I really am, uh, can accuse me uh, mm-hmm. in my own mind of being something that I'm not or being something more than I am, which is, that's never an adjective used to describe Jesus Christ. The accuser's only used... Advocate. So there's a big difference there. Advocate and accuser. Accuser versus advocate. Huge difference. Jesus is our advocate. Satan is our accuser. And uh, Jesus advocates for us and says, I I died for them. I suffered for them. I love them. I have enough grace for them. Uh, Satan, on the other hand, accuses us and 
tells us that we're this or we're not that. He tells us that we're not sinners. He accuses us of not being children of God. He accuses us of not being good enough, or he accuses us of being too good. Yeah. Or whatever whatever, works. Whatever Whatever works. Whichever way we're leaning. Yeah. He accuses us. And, and and I think that it's just really important that I remember, and we talked about that word last week too, you know, we're, we're coming across some, not coming across, we've known these all along, but as we start to put together and orchestrate kind of a string of these gems, you know, for me, to, I need to remember who I am. And, and when I'm feeling accused, I need to remember that I'm not remembering who I am. Right, yeah. and so yeah. you know, if I'm feeling accused, I need to step back and ask myself. And I've done this recently, as recently as this week. And I actually had a conversation with a, uh, a very awesome man that uh, I have a relationship with in a recovery world, um, who's working steps and trying to better his life, and uh, you know these types of things. And 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 I and I had to and and as I shared this with him, I'm hearing these words myself. That when I'm accusing myself, when I'm feeling less than, when I'm feeling inadequate about, or any of those other things, I need to remember the source from whence from whence they come, which is from the accuser, not the advocate. And and again, as we start to put in our minds and in our hearts, really in our souls together, what it means to have a relationship to understand my identity. All of these things really help me with my identity, my spiritual identity crisis, which we all, we all from time to time deal with. But these things start help, helping me put that back together so that the healing process, the redemption pro- process, can not just begin, but begin to be realized completely. We, do, we, we see a lot of uh, news, and we talk a lot about uh, identity theft in our world today because of technology. Uh, Satan is the master of identity theft. He is constantly accusing us of who we are or who we're not in the negative. And, uh, and once he steals your identity, he's got you. Once he can convince you who you are or who you're not, according to his accusations, then he's got you. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit three things. Overcoming Satan. The first one was through the blood of Christ. Through the blood. The second one was because of our testimonies. And the third one was what? The third one is that they were willing to go to the wall and give their lives for the plan of redemption. We were willing to give our lives, to fight for it, fiercely fight for it, go to war uh, to protect the plan of redemption. And so we get back to that, give our lives, right? And we talked about last week, second step of uh, most recoveries, or um, uh, came to believe that a spirit greater than me could restore me to sanity. Uh, They all come from the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has adopted as part of the addiction recovery program a variation of that very thing. We just use the, the name, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, instead of higher power. It's identifying our identifying our identity. That seems a bit redundant, which it is, but that's really what we're doing. We're identifying our true identity in this search, in this quest. Well, you and I talked a little bit about this just before we started, but identity is everything. Identity determines eternity. I believe that, Scott, and so we're probably spending, I don't know, a lot of time on this before we really get into the plan of redemption and the atonement of Jesus Christ, but it seems to be such a central part in all of that is is identifying who we are and and uh, I think on that point maybe this maybe the second thing that I would like to for us to discuss today is continuing on who we are or whose we are is that we also belong to a sacred family, a family of Abraham and Sarah. And sometimes we don't focus on that enough or don't understand the importance of that, Scott. Uh, it's all part of receiving the Abrahamic covenant and seeking to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant in our personal lives. So I want to talk a little bit about what, that, what all that means. 
So um, I think that uh, this is a great place to uh, kind of bring into as as we go through life and as uh, every human that's been on earth has gone through life there are certain ties back to our origins right to our identity getting back to this that really kind of help us you know they they we and we say this a lot in a lot of things you know don't look back just look forward don't look back just look forward but sometimes looking back to identify and to understand who we really are can be extremely important so as we start to go down and take this little journey uh, with Dave here in understanding our relationship with the divine, our relationship with Heavenly Father because of our relationship and our familial, really, relationship, our family ties to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, This is just going to further expound on how important we are in the grand scheme of things and why uh, we have this so that we can get back to and tie our um, spirits back to our Heavenly Father in healing and in in, uh, enjoying the redemptive process. And it goes back to our pre-mortal existence, Scott, again seems like everything does, um, that we were foreordained, Abraham and Sarah were foreordained to be the father and mother of many nations, and we were foreordained to be descendants of them. And I, I honestly believe, as a patriarch, having uh, given many blessings, and in each of those blessings, by revelation, uh, telling someone who they're a descendant of, or through which, maybe a better way to say it, is through which tribe of Israel they are to receive the blessings of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, and Jacob. That uh, it's, it's just really, I think, clear to me that we are literal descendants of Abraham and Sarah. If anyone's not, and they join the gospel, then they're adopted into that lineage, and they're adopted into that bloodline. And you and I both have adopted children, and so I, I, we'll, we'll talk more about that in the future, you know, stories about that experience and things we've learned through our, uh, through our families and our adopted, uh, my son, your daughter. We've experienced that, and we know that um, blood may be thicker than water, but love is thicker than blood, and that we love them like they're our own. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because they are our own. They are our own. There, there literally is no differentiation. I know you feel the same way, Dave. So Dave and I adopted these... Two thirty-plus-year-old children when they were just babies, and about the same time, I think we were just within a few months of each other. Yeah, Uh, Dave has other children, as you know. We shared a story last week about Devin. I have other children, six other children actually, um, and uh, uh, Casey's my second oldest. And, uh, you know, there is absolutely no differentiation, even in her mind, there's no differentiation. I know that to be a fact, because I, I, I had this conversation with Casey just yesterday again. It, it's it's a really a sweet experience, adoption. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that when you, when you take them to the house of the Lord in the temple, to have them sealed to you, it's so interesting, the wording there, which I don't know if it's appropriate for me to even repeat it. But in essence, how it is as though yeah. they were born to us. It's as though they were born into the covenant and that they're ours forever and ever and ever, just as if they had been born to us. So I don't know. I, I don't ever worry about whether somebody is a literal descendant or whether they're adopted into the house of Israel. The important thing is, is Abraham your father and is Sarah your mother? Right, right. And the other thing is, is if we are adopted, and you know our DNA. I don't, I don't know how to run a DNA test to get the results back from whether or not I am Abrahamic, you know, etc. But it's really based on the concept of adoption that we just talked about. It really is. Um, I was going to say somewhat. It's totally irrelevant whether we're adopted or whether we are true descendants. 
Yeah. It's still who we are, and it still has the same effect and can, if we choose to let it, have the same effect on, on the way that we approach life, the way that we approach the world and each other. Well, let's talk a little bit about Abraham and Sarah and what it means to be children and descendants of Abraham and Sarah. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, we're doing Come Follow Me, the Old Testament this year in the church, which is fun. And uh, I'm sure people have, have, you know, learned this. Moses, in writing the book of Genesis, spends 10 chapters or 15 pages in our Bible in describing 2,000 years of history from Adam to Abraham. And then everything after that, it seems to go back to Abraham. It's, I mean, there are several chapters in Genesis, pretty much the rest of Genesis, is about Abraham and his descendants. And Abraham goes all the way into the New Testament where he's talked about Father Abraham, Father of the Faithful, that if you're of, of Christ, you belong to Abraham's seed in Galatians chapter 3. It, M- Moses quickly covered in 10 chapters 2,000 years, and Abraham comes around 2,000 B.C., and the whole rest of the Bible really hinges on that point, Abraham and Sarah and the Abrahamic covenant. We know the Lord appeared to Abraham several times. We even know that Abraham and Sarah had the gospel of Jesus Christ. They knew Jehovah. They worshipped him. They knew that he was their Messiah. They had all of the blessings of the gospel. They would have. They definitely had eternal family relationships, and they had received these, these uh, significant gospel covenants that make them eternal families. Uh, all of that was available to them, and we've, we've learned that because of the restoration of the gospel. And the Abrahamic covenant, which he received, is, is talked about in Genesis 17, Genesis 22, but maybe the chapter that we have in the standard works that describe it, I think best, is in the book of Abraham, in the Pearl of Great Price, and I'll just turn there quickly. And we can read about the Abrahamic covenant and listen to the description of it here. So, uh, Pearl of Great Price, Book of Abraham, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. It reads, My name is Jehovah, and I know the end from the beginning. Therefore my hand shall be over thee, Abraham and Sarah. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee above measure, and make thy name great among all nations. I believe that's true today, Scott, like, you know, never before. Nation, all nations. And thou shalt be a blessing unto thy seed after thee, that in their hands they shall bear this ministry and priesthood unto all nations. So think about the Abrahamic covenant, the promises, and the responsibility that are uh, that are described here. I will bless them through thy name. For as many as receive this gospel shall be called after thy name and shall be accounted thy seed and shall rise up and bless thee as their father, literal or adopted, doesn't matter. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee, that is in thy priesthood, and in thy seed, that is the priesthood, for I give unto thee a promise that this, that this right shall continue in thee, right, or we could say, and responsibility, and in thy seed after thee, that is to say the literal seed, or the seed of the body, shall all of the families of the earth be blessed, even with the blessings of the gospel, which are the blessings of of salvation, even of life eternal. Well, that's, in essence, the Abrahamic covenant, Scott. And we can talk about that and the importance of it and what it, what it all means. Well, so I think then the question becomes, um, why is this so important? I, I, and we've identified a couple of those answers, right? I mean, one is, is a, a, just to further 
move along the process of our getting to know ourselves and how that relationship with our Heavenly Father through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ works. So, uh, you know, why, why, Dave, then, is the rest of this so important for us to know? Well, not only does it tell us who we are, but it tells us what we should be about. It tells us what we should be doing. I, I, I think some people misunderstand that being of the seed of Abraham or making the covenants that we make or all of that that we do in the church or or in trying to live the gospel and make and keep covenants. It's it's about a relationship, Scott. It all comes down to having a relationship. All of the gospel, all of the principles, all of the doctrine, all of the policies, all the procedures, all the covenants, all the commandments, everything comes down to one point. Relationships. Relationships. Having an eternal relationship with deity and with our families. That is what this is all about. And one other thing that came into my mind is it's not just about the promises we receive, but it's about the responsibilities that we take upon ourselves, and it should give us some direction about how we live our lives, plan our lives, and what we do with our lives. You know, being of the seed of Abraham, Scott, doesn't make us better than anybody else. But it does give us responsibility. It gives us the responsibility to take the gospel to all of the world and to get everyone connected to this sacred lineage. So it's not just about who we are, which should inspire us to then go out and help others to belong to this family. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think that once we do know who we are, we can't help it. Right. Once we really understand who we are, our appreciation becomes so deep for the blessings and gifts that we've been given that it's not necessarily even a decision-making process that I have to go through or one would have to go through to be, okay, do I share this now? Do I spread this good news? Do, you know, all of those responsibilities. You know, for a guy like me, when I hear, here's your responsibilities, I just automatically get a little bit ruffled. Yeah. yeah, I don't like necessarily, I, De, I, I, Deb can't give me lists, she knows that, you know, I just don't necessarily like to, to be told what to do by, even by anybody, but here's the thing that I've come to grips with, that the more I understand who I am and the greater love I feel for my Heavenly Father, I don't have to be told. It yeah. just becomes part of who I am. It becomes the fabric of Scott Durfee's essence of my of, of my spiritual, my soul, my spiritual and physical being. It's a powerful, motivating, yeah. motivating force in our life when you really know who you are. Right. Uh, I think another part of this, uh, the importance of knowing who we are, specifically that we are sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah Scott. A story just came into my mind from your life that when you were a little boy in Greenwood Elementary, you were accused of stealing something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah. And do you want to tell that story and the importance of a family name? Yeah. The importance of having a a family or a a name, and you can say, Abraham is my father or my grandfather. Why don't you tell that story? Yeah, so I don't necessarily remember all of the details. Uh, it seems to me that uh, I, I do know that I was in, um, I was not yet even in fifth grade. So for, it was younger than fourth grade. And the reason I know that is because I remember the classroom in the hall I walked down <laughs> that long hall to the, that long walk to the principal's office. Um, you know, I, I, I had been accused of something. And, you know, and it's never been beyond me to fit the accusation, but this time I did not fit the accusation, right? And, and I remember uh, Mr. Um, Allen was our principal. Marvin Allen was our principal. Good man. Great man. And two of his sons, uh, Jay and I don't, uh, they were, had been teachers of mine, both in high school and junior high, too. But anyway, they, uh, he, he said to me, Scott, why would I believe you? He asked me, is this true? Did you do this? Is this true? Why would I believe you? 
And, and I really couldn't think of anything else, you know, except that I had been taught all my life, that, you know what, Scott, uh, in our family, we don't act like that. Or in, my, in our family, we don't say those kinds of things. In our family, we don't lie, um, you know, and those kinds of things. Obviously, I wasn't a good student later in life, but at that point in my life, I think that, uh, you know, I had grasped and held on to a lot of those things. And he said to me, Scott, why would I believe you? And I said, well, Mr. Allen, because I'm a Durfee and we don't lie. And, um, I, I, and he said, okay. And that was good enough for him. You know, my, I, 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 my name meant something to me. It meant something to him too. He knew my dad. He knew my parents. He knew, uh, grandpa whose birthday it is today, by the way. Happy birthday, grandpa. Right. But he he would have been a hundred and, uh, let's see, eight today. 108 years old. Yeah. (laughs) missing. But anyway, that uh, was really cool because that experience, I, and I never said anything. I didn't tell my dad and mom what happened. I didn't tell anybody, but apparently he did, you know, because one day uh, my, and I don't even remember if I'd come home from school and I don't remember all the circumstances surrounding it. I just remember one day my dad said, Scott, I need to talk to you. And that wasn't necessarily always a really good experience when, uh, you know, a conversation began that way. Scott, I need to talk to you. But this time it was, you know, he was just, I, I, I'm happy, Scott, that uh, your name meant something to you. And, uh, you know, and, and that was the, that was the uh, result. That's what it happened. And when we say Abraham's our father, yeah. Sarah's our mother, yeah. that should mean something. Yeah. Yeah. If we really understand their lives, and maybe we don't study them enough and uh, attach the importance of, of their, uh, who they really were... And I, when I think of Abraham and Sarah, uh, there's so many great attributes that we could talk about: their faithfulness, uh, their patience, uh, the unbelievable faith they had to wait to have a promised son. You know, and I think Sarah was 90 years old, and she couldn't believe it that she could bear a son. I, I just can't believe their their faith and patience waiting for the promised yeah, blessings. Me too. And um, I, I think of uh, the book of Hebrew when I think of Abraham and the promises that they saw, as Paul describes it, afar off. And I, I just want to read this one verse. This is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, describing the, the faith of Abraham and Sarah. It says, These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Meaning they had the eye of faith, Scott. These these patriarchs and matriarchs that we belong to, they have the eye of faith. They received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they were persuaded of them or motivated by them. Or had hope because of Yes, them. Yeah. and embraced them as if they had already received them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, knowing who they were, knowing they were sons and daughters of God, knowing who they belonged to, uh, knowing of their premortal past, knowing of their eternal lives that lay ahead of them. I, when I think of Abraham and Sarah, I think of that verse and and uh, the description that it gives of their faith. Yeah, so when when we read this, having received having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, you know what that does to me, David. That that brings in my mind how often, and it happens recently, it has happened recently, but and it continually happens sometimes. But how often? Do I have something that I'm working towards, something I'm trying to overcome, something that's really nailing me, making life difficult, Yeah. whether it's because of my own decisions or because whatever, you know, and I could be talking about addiction, I could be talking about depression, I could be talking about anxiety, and a myriad, literally a myriad. Or you could be be upset and concerned about a wayward child. That too. You know, others who you love, who are having those same... Challenges and problems in their life. I could be dealing with a situation that was perpetrated against me uh, many years ago, or against still, your child, or against and, and 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 on and on and on and on it goes. Your imagination is the only restrictive part of this potential process, right? And so, you know, having seen them afar the off, promises. 
having seen those, those promises, promises afar off. off. So the promises of what? So as we talk about what are the promises that we're talking about here, obviously all part of the Abrahamic covenant, no right. question. Right. But the promises specifically we're talking about here is the promises of redemption, or the promises exactly. of atonement, the promises right. of eternal healing life. and eternal life that can only come through this um, through this thing that we know is the atonement, through yes. redemption. And so as he sees them afar off, and we're persuaded of them, that's the faith. That's the faith I have. When I have something that, oh man, I just can't seem to be get overcoming this, I just can't seem to be putting it aside or whatever, I pray, I make, I, I, I take it to the, to the sacrament table, I fast about it, whatever the case may be, and I'm struggling... But that faith were that they saw them and were persuaded of them and were embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on. I mean, that that whole thing right there is broken heart and contrite spirit. Yeah. That whole thing right there is steps one, two, and three in mm. every recovery program. Mm. See it afar off because I can see it afar off. It creates faith in me because I know who I am mm-hmm. and I know who, whose I am. But because it's far off, I'm persuaded because of my faith, and then that that, uh, that relief comes. So many, so many in the church are married, struggle with, uh, as my wife and I did, with the challenge of infertility, and uh, you know, to be able to have this, to say that I'm of Abraham and Sarah, and to be able to 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 know their life and to, to seek to follow their example and to obtain this eye of faith would help me to know that it's just a matter of time that we have children and that maybe I can actually see them in my eye of faith. I can see children, sons and daughters because of this, this faith that Abraham and Sarah had that we should all seek. Or whether I'm single and I'm not married and I haven't received that promise, or I, I haven't been able to overcome all of my sins and addictions to, to go to the temple. You know, I, I have a dear friend who had a wayward son, and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't see uh, ever his wayward son being a part of their eternal family. And one day he was in Chicago. This was a friend I, dear friend I had in Minnesota, and he'd gone down to the temple in Chicago, and he was in the Chicago Temple, Scott, and he was sitting in the celestial room, and he was praying, and he had this impression to look up at, at the veil of the temple. And he looked at the veil of the temple, and with, I'm sure, an eye of faith, but in his mind, he, he really saw this. He wept as he shared this with me. He saw his son, Sam, walk through the veil of that temple. And Sam was not in a place at that time where he could have stepped foot in the temple or wouldn't have. So with an eye of faith, having the faith of Abraham and Sarah, uh, trying to, again, uh, knowing their characteristics and trying to receive those same characteristics can be such a blessing to us here on the earth. Uh, as we as we struggle with our everyday challenges, you know, I, I uh, something just occurred to me as you were sharing that story. Not only is it important that we know who we are, it's important that we know who everybody else is too, right? Right. I mean, if I yes, know, that if, we see them that way. If I'm that father yeah. and I have that son and I have the ability yes. to see that son the same way that I'm attempting to see me right now. Yes. You know, I, I, Dave, you'll remember, I don't know if you will or not, but ago I called you and I was struggling because I had made some choices in my life uh, that had, uh, you know, created a separation of my family. Mm-hmm. You know, my family, uh, and it wasn't just that. There's more to it than just that. But um, my family had, it was no longer whole the way that it had been whole before. I was divorced now and single and I had these four kids and I was really struggling because my four kids were not necessarily um, being blessed with the kind of blessings in direction and 
example and various things. And I de- certainly wasn't providing a very good one. And so, you know, imagine the, the uh, double jeopardy of the, the uh, despair that maybe I was feeling around that. And you helped me to understand that if I just understand who they are, uh, we, we sat at the Italian place one day mm-hmm. in, uh, in here in Orem, Utah. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't even, yes. it, it was a long, long lunch, but we went through that whole thing of understanding not just who I am, but who they are. Yes. And who my wife is and who my parents are. If you could just see them. Yeah, my gosh. The way God sees them. If you could just see them, who they are and whose they are, it totally changes your relationship with them. And I think that's what he meant when he said, love one another. See them the way I see them. Yeah. Now, further, we should talk about what it means to be of Abraham and Sarah through their lineage and through a tribe of Israel. So Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, His name, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Right. He has these 12 sons, and uh, such an important part of our uh, church and the history of our church and the present uh, state we find ourselves in the church is the gathering of these 12 tribes of Israel, the gathering of Israel. I love President Nelson's emphasis on this, yeah, Scott. Me too. The gathering of Israel on both sides of the veil. Uh, and that's what we're all about. And Israel means let God prevail. And President Nelson really has a vision of this. And it's never before, Scott, has Israel uh, been gathered or the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, like they're being gathered now. No. And it was exciting, thrilling for me. I I always thought that maybe the most important part of a patriarchal blessing was an individual's lineage. And even though many of them were the same, I, I thought if they understood what that meant, and they really understood what that means to be of Ephraim, of Joseph, of Jacob, of Isaac, of Abraham... How would that change their life? And not just as far as how they see themselves, but how they plan their life and what they do with their life. I had an experience. Do we have time to share this? I had an experience once that really taught me of the importance of a tribe. I was giving a patriarchal blessing to a uh, young woman. Uh, I think she was about 20 years old. She was. She had come from the middle of the Congo in, oh, wow. a- in yeah. Africa. yeah. And she had escaped her captors. Okay. Her family had been hurt, some of them killed. And she had escaped and had um, immigrated to the United States, miraculously. And she came to the United States, and an immigration officer, after interviewing her, uh, said to her, "Uh, you sound religious. I'm going to send you to Utah because I understand they're (laughs) religious. So she, she came thankfully to Utah. Yeah, right. She was adopted by a family in our, in our, she was taken in and then later adopted by a family in our stake. Uh, she had a two-year-old uh, child that she had had. But anyway, this beautiful young woman had finally joined the church after being here for just over a year. And shortly after that, wanted to get her patriarchal blessing. And uh, I prayed and f- fasted to prepare to give her a blessing. And this would, this would often happen with me. Not, I don't know, not all the time, but many times. I knew what her lineage was before she actually came to my home. Yeah. Praying about it, I knew. And, and uh, when she came and I was giving her patriarchal blessing and I got to that part of lineage, I told her that she was a descendant of Naphtali. Wow. I'd never... First one? First one, first ever, never again. Uh, Naphtali. She started to weep. I could feel her just kind of, you know, she. Yeah. I, I could just feel how important that was to her. And uh, sweet blessing. And after the blessing was over, she turned to me and she said, uh, Brother Durfee, can I pray? And I said, you want, you want to pray, Jolie? She said, yeah, can I pray? I said, sure, let's pray. And she, she went to kneel down. Wow, yeah. And I said, uh, wait, wait just a minute, Jolie. Let's, let's all of us kneel down. Her parents were there with her, her adopted parents, and we knelt down, Yeah. all four of us. And she said, can I pray in my language? Oh, wow. 
Yes. And I said, sure, of course. And she started to pray. I will never forget this sacred experience and the power of her prayer, Scott. She prayed loud. She was very loud. And uh, I didn't understand the language, but I kept hearing this one word over and over and over again that I recognized. Naphtali. 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 Prayer ended, and we got up, tears in our eyes, and brother and her mom and dad came over, shook my hand, and said, it might, it might help, Brother Durfee, if you understand something about Jolie. She lost her tribe. Oh, wow. And now she has a tribe. Yeah. And in her culture, and I think this is true for most of the Middle East, for her culture, tribe is everything. Right. Belonging to a tribe is everything. It's family. And um, that really was a singular experience that taught me the importance and the sacred nature and the power, Scott, of belonging to a tribe, the tribe of Israel, how important that should be to us, how we should seek to understand more about our tribe, the characteristics of our tribe, the, the mission and responsibilities that our tribe has received in the patriarchal blessings given by Israel, Jacob, the, the, the great patriarch. And we should seek to understand our tribe and the responsibilities we need to fulfill. Anyway, I, if, if we could feel that way about belonging to a tribe and belonging to Abraham and Sarah and the Abrahamic covenant, it would really change, again, our mortal mission. Yeah, there's no question. I'm speechless. That is an awesome story that you just shared about that young lady. And, uh, you know, th this is something that I think that at some level, if we uh, it take a minute and uh, reflect in our own lives, this is something that we can all um, really relate to, I hope. You know, I, 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 there's probably uh, very few things that are more despairing than the lack of belonging to something. As a matter of fact, addiction is really um, more about a detachment, a lack of having something to connect to. That's it. It's a, it's a lack of connection. And so, you know, as we've talked about today, all of these things that we've talked about, and we are out of time, I'm going to let Dave say a few more words before we uh, call it to a close here in just a minute. But I just want to emphasize the importance again, uh, for the third week in a row, the importance again of who we are, the importance again of how important our identity is, and a, a, a real honest and accurate concept, self-concept, spiritual self-concept of who we are. Uh, is paramount in importance to maybe everything else that we know uh, in this life. Because knowing that, then we can start to build a really solid foundation as we live for more peace, as we live for more harmony, and as we learn to uh, let the atonement of Jesus Christ through his redemption and through his healing and through all of the other things that have been promised to us through our various uh, connections to him, uh, I just know that it's through that that all of our, our, our troubles are healed and taken care of. So great, great. Another great session, Dave. What do you have uh, to well, uh, impart I, to us on your way If it's okay, out? I just want to close by expressing my gratitude, Scott, for the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to to kind of top this discussion of the importance of, of belonging to Abraham and Sarah. You know, there's only two Gospels in this life that are mentioned in the Scriptures. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is one. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He atoned. He ransomed. All of that for me. Uh, he is the center, His atonement, and He are the center of the whole plan of redemption. But it's also mentioned in the scriptures in Doctrine and Covenants section 110 that Elias restored the keys of the gospel of Abraham. Uh, maybe 
I don't know we're out of time, Scott. Oh, but we're I'm, fine. I'm, I'm just going to read this uh, verse. Uh, it's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 110, which was the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. And there in the Kirtland Temple, in a holy house dedicated to the Lord shortly after the dedication, Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith go behind the veil up in the pulpits of the Kirtland Temple, and in verse, the Savior appears to them, Moses appears to them and restores the keys of the gathering of Israel. And then verse 12 says, After this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. I just, what's the gospel of Abraham? Whenever we think of the gospel, we of course think of Christ. That's the fullness. That's, that's redemption. But the gospel of Abraham is also important. And it, the verse continues saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. That's the Abrahamic covenant or the gospel of Abraham, which is really comes down to, again, one point, Scott. Families yeah. can be together forever. Yeah. We can have eternal families. That's what it comes down to. That's, what, that's the gospel of Abraham is eternal families. I'm so grateful for the fullness of the gospel that's been restored, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Abraham, which, which we have because of the restoration. How wonderful. And I know I speak for um, all of our listeners. We're grateful for you, Dave, and your uh, ability to uh, help us to understand some of these things a little deeper. And uh, to be able to maybe apply them in our lives, it's one thing to have a really good knowledge of this stuff. It's another thing to be able to know what it means and how do I use it in my life for, for my own betterment and the betterment of those around me. Remember that identity determines eternity. Uh, I'm going to quote Dave on that for the rest of my life. We'll probably even title this uh, podcast that because it's so important, so true. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, please remember who you are. Please know who you are. Please gain a great, deep understanding of who you are and whose you are. Because as we do that, the process of healing, the process of coming unto Him, the process of redemption, the process of ridding ourselves of anything that is not exactly like Him becomes uh, much easier to do. Uh, we're grateful to have had the opportunity to be with you again today. Don't forget to send us your comments. He redeems us. He redeems us at gmail.com. Scott Durfee, Dave Durfee, we've enjoyed being with you once again. Look forward to our time together next week. Until then, God bless and take care.